Welcome to the Sermon of the Week at New Hope Community Church. We hope that you're blessed and encounter God's presence as you listen to this message. First time ministering here at New Hope, and I'm excited about it. And uh, I believe God is, is, is giving me something to share with you that I really believe is very specific for the church. Not just our church, but the church. And it was funny, when I received that and from the Lord, some time had gone by and a friend of mine who attends another church in the area, uh, she was sharing with them that I was speaking at the church. I was speaking here this morning. They said, well, how's he doing? What's, he, what's his message on? What is he speaking about? And, um, and so she shared with them I was speaking about fear. He says, wow, well, pastor's speaking about fear Sunday too. And I remember about three weeks ago, Karen had spoke, and there were some things that she had shared in respect to uh, fear taking on personality in our life, you know, what we were going to yield to, um, you know, and how that, how that looked. And she touched on that a little bit. So I believe that it's very strategic for the church, but it's very much something I've been dealing with in my life for a long time. And I hope that uh, in articulating as best I can through the Holy Spirit, the things that I've experienced in my life will shed some light and maybe give you some insight to maybe where you are and why you're where you are or why you're stuck where you are. Amen. There could be some things there that you're not aware of and God just wants to bring it to our attention. Because the church has a responsibility to walk in the freedom and the liberty and the power and the anointing of the Almighty God. But we as a church sometimes, through circumstances in our life, which I'll share, through different things, we find ourselves in a place where that is not the fullness of what we're doing. We are not releasing the fullness of what God has for us to do in the church, outside of the church, wherever our feet are. So I'm hoping this morning that I can share some of this and hope to shed some light and bring you to a place where you and I together could come into the fullness. Because I have to tell you, it's a little secret. I have not arrived yet. Amen. God's still working on me. I, have, I haven't made it yet, but I'm on my way. Amen? Amen. So what I want to do with you this, this morning is I just want to let you know that um, I want to share a little bit about me. Uh, the church, you know me from coming here and that's all you know about me. You don't know about my past. I'm not going to do a full-blown uh, uh, testimony about where I've come from, but I'm definitely going to hit some of those things. Um, but I want to share a little about, about where I've come from because that will shed light on some things that I, I speak about, okay? I got saved when I was 24 years old in 1978. I was living here in Rochester, New York. I was a criminal. I was involved in organized crime. I was involved in all kinds of activity and things that we look at and go, ooh, that was me at one point in my life. I was living a life where you can imagine, <laughs> there's a lot of other things I was involved if I was involved in criminal activity. There was a time in my life also that I was, I was actually approached by the DEA. My house was raided, everything happened. But God's grace was on me, and like I said, I can't give you the full-blown picture, but God's grace was on me, and I was able to get a warning before they came. 
And I had an opportunity at that point to get out of the business, to totally get out, to change my life. You know, the money, the cars, the girls, the power, the clubs, I knew it wasn't enough. This kind of life might have seemed glamorous and exciting to some, but I knew I was empty and I needed someone more in my life. But it was a journey to get to that place. There were people in my life that were pounding me with the word of God. God had sent the laborers. God had sent people to me. And he, he sent them to break that hardened heart. You know, it says the word of God is like a rock that breaks a hammer. It's like a hammer that breaks a rock into small pieces. My heart was hardened. I was mean. I was angry. I hated people. And I had a hardened heart, but I knew, even in the midst of that, my inner man was crying out and longing for the Lord. Through God's divine intervention, as some time went on, I actually went to a crusade. Now, some of you are going to know this man. Even today, he's still alive. But he was an old-time, old-time preacher, healing ministry, big harvest, traveled all over the world, Ernest Angeli. Okay, so some of you know of this man. Well, let me tell you something. I got introduced to him through some circumstances because my mother and her best friend wanted to go to this crusade. My mom said, I got to take, take Mrs. Ashton with me because she needs healing, her hip. Something's wrong with her hip, she needs healing. So my mother had asked me at one point to do this. Well, because of my lifestyle... I had moved into a, because I got raided, I moved into my parents' home for so I had a safe place, but I was still addicted to drugs and alcohol and living the lifestyle that wasn't, uh, you know, not like it was, but wasn't, wasn't right. And so what happened was my mother had asked me, and I guess whether I was high or not, I said, yes, I'll take you. Well, the day came that I had to take her, and my little sister came downstairs and was pounding at the door for me to get up. Now, I was high, you know, before I came in the house, I high when I leave the house, I was high all the time. So I was furious that she was messing with me because I was a very angry person. I was very, very upset. So I said, what do you want? What do you want? And all that stuff, and imagine how that could be. But what happened was she said to me, well, Mom and Mrs. Ashley, you're supposed to take them to the crusade today. You said you were going to take them. And Mrs. Ashley's coming here. She's on her way. Now, she was an elderly lady, so it wasn't like she was going to come and then drive to Utica. So I was kind of stuck. So I said, okay, all right, I'm going to take them. But I said, okay, because I was going right over to my drawer, right over to where my stash was. I had to get high to take care of these people and take care of them. But I didn't know what God had in store. So we go to Utica, New York. My mother's telling me, we have to get there early. You have to. You have to get there early because it's going to be packed. All kinds of people are going to be there. So we get there, and there's no one there. There's no one at the door. So now I'm mad. I'm mad at my mother. I'm like, what, what happened? What are we doing here? There's nobody even here. So my mother said, well, we're here early because maybe the people haven't come yet. I said, well, look, I'm not standing outside. I'm not waiting here. I said, I'll be right back. So I left. I figured I'll break into the place. I just figured, you know, I'll find out what's going on. Maybe there's someone here. Well, when I went around the back of the place, I realized that people were inside starting to set up for the crusade. So as we got inside, I mean, as I got inside, I turned around, went to the front door. I opened the front door. I told my mother and her friend, come on in. 
I got a front row seats for you. I know somebody here. <laughs> well, really, what I was doing, I just wanted to get him in the front row so I could go get in that car and get high. That's, that's what I wanted to do. That's where I was going. That's my motivation. That's where I was at. So what happened was I got them front row seats. I'm trying to leave. I'm trying to walk up the, the aisle to go and get out of the place. And this guy intercepts me. Hey, good morning. Or good afternoon, whatever time it was. He, he stops me, shakes my hand, he starts talking to me. I don't know if he thought I was a worker in the place, if I had something to do with it. I have no idea, but he started talking to me. I don't remember what the conversations were about, but we were chatting. So then when I got done with him, I was like, yeah, good, because i got to go take care of me. So I start moving to go out. Another guy stops me, intercepts me. Well, before you know it, some time had lapsed, and people started coming in. So then I'm like, I'm just going to go sit down. I had no idea that God was in this whole whole deal. And I wound up going and sitting next to my mother, Mrs. Ashton, in the front row. And I had nothing to do with church, didn't want nothing to do with church. I hated everybody. I was angry. I wasn't going. And here I am in the front row of the church. Well, at one point, in the, at one point of the service, Ernest Angley gives an invitation to those that have addictions. So I figured, uh-oh. <laughs> but I'm like, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> But he said, I don't care if you're addicted to cough medicine or heroin. He said, you want to get free? Come up here right now. And it was like somebody was under my seat and went bang. And I popped up out of that seat. And I ran up on that platform. And I was like, I, I was like I, I'm here. I, I was like, I didn't know what to do. I just stood there. So Ernest Angeles got the ushers and they're lining people up in rows. The whole platform was full. It wasn't just me. I'm like, all these people are in church? <laughs> All these heroin addicts, drug addicts like me, they're in church. They were in church. So what happened was a row after row after row of people. And Ernest Angley said, okay, he prayed. I don't remember what the prayer was, the first prayer, but he prayed some kind of prayer and just started laying hands on people. And, you know, we used to mock him because we did see him on TV at different times. You know, when you're high and it's 4 o'clock in the morning, that's all that was on then. You know, a little <laughs> snowflake TV, you know. <laughs> so, so we were watching it. So... What happened was he comes by, and we remember he, we see him sometime lay hands on somebody. So my friend used to say, oh, he's rubbing his foot on the carpet and static electricity. That's what's happening. You know, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> so he comes around, he lays hands on me. Bam, I'm out. The power of God hit me. I'm on the floor. Well, I never had that happen to me. I never was in a church environment even for it to happen. So I was like, when I, when I opened my eyes and I came to, so it felt like I got knocked out, but I come too quickly. I look around, and all these other, I look behind me, all these other people are still going on the floor. People are going out, one after another. So then he says, okay. Now he gets everybody up. He says, okay, now we got the devil out. Let's get Jesus in. And he says, pray this prayer with me. If you want to receive Jesus today. And I prayed that prayer that morning, that afternoon, whatever time it was. I know it was that day. <laughs> that was my day of salvation. I prayed that prayer. And from that point forward, I never had a desire for drugs, alcohol. My lifestyle was totally wiped out, gone. I never lived that life again. All right? Praise the Lord. Never. There was a friend of mine before this happened that came into the store, and he was, he, he was a trained martial arts expert. And I had asked him for, if he'd do me a favor. You know, most people, you ask them a favor, ah, give me a hundred bucks or whatever. 
I told him I wanted to kill somebody. And I said, I want you to show me because I want to do it with my hands. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to train you to kill somebody. I'm not going to do that. I had so much anger in me for this individual. I wanted to put myself in proximity to him and, and do that. That's, that's where my heart, that's where I was. Three days after the crusade, he comes in the store where we had a, a business, my family, we had three businesses, and I was in the store at the time, and he came in, and I was sitting on two milk crates reading a Bible. <laughs> the guy lost his mind. He's like, what? Huh? What? You know, he goes, what are you? He, he was like, what are you doing? So I said to him, I'm reading a Bible, and I had this huge smile, and I had this glow, and I was like, yes, and I'm free, you know? And from there on, it was just a process of people that knew me that were going, I don't know what you got, man, but I want to go with you. So I didn't have a church. We went to crusades. We just found where Ernest was going or somebody else was going to be, and there were going to be 5,000 people there. We went. And I always broke in the place, and God knew where I was at then. I was so excited. I'd always break in the place to get all my friends that were all drug addicts and troublemakers and drug dealers, and I'd take them in the bathroom when we'd pull down the top of the door where, where, where the you know, hinge was so no one could get in. And they'd be smoking weed and cigarettes and swearing and everything else, and we'd have them in the bathroom. And then after that, okay, when it was time, boom, unleash it, get them out right down the front row. <laughs> and God was saving one brother after another. But what happened was, in my cousins started, were going to a church in the city of Rochester, and I happen to have a friend I haven't seen, Dan, for many years. It just happened to come here through Jonathan Welton, praise the Lord. But he noticed me today, I noticed him. We both went to Bethel Full Gospel Church many, many years ago. And that's where my, that wound up my first home, where I served there at, at, at Bethel Full Gospel for, like I said, about 25 years. And that was the first church that I went to. And I served as a soloist. God had actually um, done such a miraculous thing in my life that he said, go sing and declare who I am in song. I was involved in intercessory prayer. It's just my heart. I love to pray. I became a community elder where we had, where we had taken the church and split it into four districts. And I, be, I, I became oversight to one of those districts. But in 2007, I felt my season was up, and I had no idea where I was going. No idea. But one thing I've learned about the Lord is everything's a season. We can get stuck because we don't understand seasons. We can get stuck because we think, well, this is it. This is the best church in Rochester or the best church in wherever. But we can't get stuck. We have to know and, and understand that everything is a season because God has ordered our steps. So I left, the father, I, left, I left the father's house in 2013 where I served as an elder from 2007. And I thought I'd never leave that church. It was another season. But how I came to New Hope was really cool. You know, all the years that I was involved in church and intercessory prayer was a big thing. There was a thing called House of Prayer and Dick DeGroat, Pastor Dick DeGroat handled it and all that stuff. And it was something that was just networked in this city in all the different areas. And what happened was we used to come together and go to different churches and all that. And I remember a man by the name of Pastor Jenks used to come to our church quite a bit. And he was, you know, always a guy that had a word. He had something he would speak. I never knew anything about his church. 
Never went, knew nothing about this place, knew nothing about the building, none of that stuff. And I was in Florida visiting my son, one of my boys, and while I was there, I always go to LA Fitness, you know, because I want to keep this body chiseled like it is. But <laughs> so, so I go, I go to LA Fitness, I do what I got to do, I get out and I go in my car and I'm just, I'm just a Facebook guy. I, I like to look, I like entertainment, I look, see what people are posting. But I, this one person I came across, I, uh, I said, oh, I don't know, I, I want to look at his friends. So I clicked and I started looking at his friends. And what happened was I saw this girl, this picture of this girl that I knew from Bethelful Gospel Church. And her name was Jen Genoni at that time. I knew her as Jen Genoni. But she is your worship leader, Jen Del Rocco. And I was like, I was like, man, I gotta get a hold of her because her and I sang duets together. We were good friends. I to some degree maybe been a little bit of a spiritual father because I was older, maybe imparted some things here and there into her life. But I wanted to get a hold of her, so I contact her right away. And she contacts me back. We're on the phone an hour and 25 minutes just talking and catching up with life and whatever. We realized we hadn't seen each other in 17 years. But she had gone through some things in her life, and God had led her to church, and this is what she was doing. It was beautiful. And here I am in a season of transition. I don't know where I'm going. I have no idea. And, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, but the places I did go, there, was, there were presence and moves of God, but there were a lot of places it was like, wow, this can't be church, you know? And, you know, it's just the way it is. Sometimes it's just like that. So I was like, Lord, where am I to go? What am I to do? And what happened was I, I talked to her, and she told me so much about the church that something started to well up in my inner man. And I got this anticipation. I couldn't wait to get home. I said, man, I can't wait to get home so Lisa and I can go to church and check this place out. Well, when Lisa and I came here, the first thing we did when we walked through that door we met the Decoreys. No better people to be at the door, right? But Char, she just walks up with that love and that presence, and Marcus, so gracious, and they just extended the love of Jesus to us. Amen. And we felt, we just felt how genuine and how authentic they were. And it carried on all the way through into, this, into the sanctuary. And when we sat down, we looked at each other, and we both felt the presence. We both felt that the Holy Spirit is here, and we said, this is going to be our home. So we found ourselves in a place and said, yes, Lord, this is it. Hallelujah. You know, it wasn't about how big or how small or who this or that. I was looking for God's Spirit, and we found His Spirit, yeah. and we were truly blessed by it. So now I serve here on the leadership team, the pastoral team, and I say that I am a very grateful man, and I am, yes. I am thankful that God brought me to this yes. house to help advance the kingdom of God. Amen. So that's a little snapshot, okay, of my life, a little bit of my journey and where I've come from. So I've been a Christian 40 years. So, you know, sometimes you look, so I've been a Christian 40 years. It should be all said and done. I'm mature. I got it all going on. I've been through it all. I've had my trials, my tribulations. Okay? I've learned. You know, I persevered. So, hey, what's at the end? I'm mature. But that doesn't mean that we still don't go through things. Amen. It doesn't mean that I'm there. I got 40 years in. Some people that got 40 years in are still babies in the Lord. 
You know, we probably all witness that to some degree. But what I want to talk to you today is about fear. And like I said earlier, that it's something I believe that God's speaking into this region because something is happening. Something is happening. God is laying a foundation. You know, there really are some things going on in the spirit. You know, when we pray in that prayer room, there's some things that are coming forth and coming up and out that only are coming from the heaven, only coming from a place that God is birthing these things. Because we're believing for things. If you look with a natural eye, you'd say, I can't go there. There's no way. But we know it's coming from God's spirit. But you know, there's two kinds of spirits, or two kinds of fears, I mean, And one is a fear that God created in us so that when we came across trouble or things came to us in a way where we need to be alarmed, we become fearful and we get away. We run. And I said, man, if we didn't have that fear, if a car was coming at me, I'd probably just steer at its headlight and get run over. But that alarm goes off in us. But then there's a spirit of fear which is outright demonic and no, nowhere else from, but from the pit of hell. That's right. And you know, the devil, that's one of his favorite weapons, one of his lethal weapons that he uses in the church for simple reason. If he can slow us down, he can stop the progression of the kingdom of God. Yes. He can keep, okay, the church in a dormant stage. If fear can get a hold of you, it can lock you up. If fear gets a hold of you, you'll be dragging a chain, ball and chain behind you. Right. You won't be moving in the freedom and liberty of the Spirit of God. Amen. So I'm going to share something before we go completely there, which is really kind of interesting. Because when I was doing and, and, and some research and looking at some things, just to see fear and to think about fear, you know, fear in the world or fear that isn't of a demonic spirit or or whatever, let me just look. I started doing some research. And I found out that in the U.S., 8.7% of people ages 18 and over have at least one, one extreme specific fear. Okay? That's a whole lot of people. They at least got one. But nearly 25 million Americans report a fear of flying. So... I said to my wife, you know, that's kind of weird because when I go to the airport, there's like people all over the place. (laughs) You want to get on a flight, it's full. or So you see a lot of planes, you see a lot of movement. I said, man, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of fear. But the thing that got my attention also was this one phobia in particular between 17 and 21 million people in the U.S. Fear what? Does anybody know? Good guess? All right, Friday the 13th. Crazy, right? It's crazy, you know? But millions of people are in touch with fear one way or another, whether it's the church, whether it's the world. They're in touch with it. Here are some some other statistics. You know, fear of public speaking, 74% of people. Fear of death, 68%. Fear of spiders, 30.5. Fear of darkness, 11. And I'm telling you, I did research. I'm like, okay, how many different phobias are there? And I only found one place where they gave some numbers, and it was like 530. But everywhere else, they said the same thing. It's unlimited. 
And I said, why? Because anything can be a fear or phobia. The enemy or yourself, you can create it. You can cause something that looks one way to look a lot bigger and a lot worse than what it really is. But the thing that uh, kind of made me chuckle, so forgive me if anybody has this, but uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe that there was a fear of styrofoam. There's a phobia. People are afraid of styrofoam. But think about it. That's how crafty the enemy is. That's the ability that he has when we're exposed to things in life. I don't know how they were exposed to styrofoam. I, I have no idea. I don't know. But there was something there that became a bridge to that styrofoam. But let's look at the top ten. We'll move on. Fear of heights. Bugs, snakes, spiders, number two. Fear of close space, closed spaces. Fear of flying. Fear of the dark. Fear of getting a disease. Fear of blood. Fear of violent weather. Fear of dying. So we can see the devil has a lot of ammunition to use against the church and against the world. But we as a church, we have to be on guard because we have to understand what fear will do. How it will posture itself in the church. How it will take on personality in your life. How it will cause you to go from, God said, be an imitator of Christ to have the personality of fear. But one of the ways that it can happen, fear can find its way, is through trauma. You know, my dad, quick story, my dad used to ride a bicycle. All, when he started when he was 50, and he rode a bike in just about until he couldn't, couldn't get on a bike anymore. But one of the things that happened to him, he was, he was riding his bike, and he went across to, uh, he was on a sidewalk, and he was just going across like a little driveway or something, and a guy hit him. Now, my father was a very healthy man. Never had any issues with anxiety, fear, on medications, none of that stuff. And look, if anybody's taking medication for anxiety or any of that, hey, praise the Lord. You know what I mean? God, can, God heals, and, and that's all good. You know, it's all right. But my dad, after he got hit, like that, he changed. That, that was a gateway for fear to enter because he started to meditate and think about Okay, riding his bike and getting hit. He was scared now. He, everywhere he turned, he was worried. He was scared he was going to get hit. And he developed panic attacks, had to go on medication, was taken to the hospital because he thought he was dying. This was not my father. And just like that from an accident, boom, completely different place. But I want to share with you a few of my experiences and possible gateways to the spirit of fear. When I was 10 years old, I was molested by a neighbor two doors down from me. No one in the neighborhood at the time knew about it. But I wasn't the only one. He had a way of luring kids in to have them do yard work and different things and all that. And you can imagine where he went with that. At 15 years old, I was stabbed. And I should have died from the amount of blood that I lost and my lungs had collapsed. When I was 30 years old, I was told I had cancer. Can you imagine 30 years old? You're not expecting to hear this. And I don't mean anything against elderly people because I'm there. But I'm saying you expect it when you're older. Oh, something's going to happen to me when I'm in my 80s. Or oh, it should happen when, well, you know what? It happened to me at 30. And let me tell you, from that 
I developed a fear of death. I never was afraid of nobody. My attitude was, I'm not afraid of you or you or you or you. I became fearful. I was afraid of dying. I was afraid of losing my family. I was afraid of this. I was afraid I was going to have cancer again, even when things got better. I was a soloist in the church. And there was a performance that there were things you had to do. Stand here. Don't miss don't, don't mess up. Don't miss the words. Don't miss a beat. You know, so it's pounded in you. You know, so you're standing out there like, it's no way to worship God and share your gift, right? But that's where I was. And that's, that's what I was under. And that's what was happening. So out of it, I developed a fear of failure. Come on. I'm anointed. I got the Holy Ghost. Amen. But there's gateways. Things happen. Okay? Right. We have to understand. We have to see where. Where did it come from? Okay? God wants to open our eyes. The church, for what reason? So we can continue to advance. Yes. Not that we shrink back. Yes. You know how fear has affected my life? <laughs> when, I, when people would ask me and say, Hey, Wayne. Um, hey. I'd love for you to do, do our wedding, you know. W would you be willing to do that? I'd go, and I'd, most of the time, thank God I was on the phone, because if they see my face, they probably would have caught me in a lie. But they're, they're like, hey, Wayne, would you do my, my wedding? But I say, hey, when is it? Um, July 15th. Oh, shoot, I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm busy that weekend. I, I can't make it. Uh, I got another commitment. Oh, I'll be out of town. Who was speaking through me? Fear. Because I was afraid. Fear had taken on such a personality that I, I didn't want anything to do with it. Let me just run and I'll be comfortable. Let me go that way instead of this way and I'll be comfortable. So let me move on. I don't want any part of it. But I couldn't tell them that. I'm a leader in the church. I'm ministering in the church. So in areas I was a strong like a lion. <laughs> in other areas I wanted to run like crazy. Okay? Because it feared where it could get its hooks in, it did. Funerals, same thing. Preaching, teaching, singing, I'd just flat out lie. I'd go to the Lord about it. But you know what? <laughs> it robbed me of my God-given destiny right. in that season of my life. Right. It robbed me. But know what? It robbed them too. Because God's made each one of us so unique, so specific. He's tailored each one of us for such a specific work. Amen. Then when he's got to go get somebody else, that wasn't his first call. But because he's God, he can make it work and it be all good. So fear robbed me of my destiny and robbed those also. But you know what? In not doing what God was asking of me to do, <laughs> oh boy, did I become an angry person. I'm not proud of that. Not proud at all. But I was so angry because I knew what God had called me to do. I knew what was in me. And I knew that I was letting the devil lord over me. I knew I was letting him control my every step in some areas. Because he knew where he had me and he knew where he didn't have me. And what it did, it produced in me I felt sick. I felt guilty. I felt shame, unworthy, all those kind of feelings. 
And then I isolated. I isolated myself because I was hiding from my God-given destiny. And ultimately, in this whole thing, you can imagine what I was feeling, I was thinking. And the devil used a spirit of torment. So he coupled fear and torment. Some of you know what I'm talking about. In the wee hours of the morning, you're being tormented with thoughts. In the wee hours of the morning, you wake, you can't sleep because someone's knocking at your door. Someone's speaking into your mind. So ultimately, he used the spirit of torment to continue to feed my mind lies, saying things like, you're stupid. You don't measure up. You shouldn't be doing this anyway. Why don't you just stop going to church? What are you doing it for? But you know what? Any one of these areas of my life, just to give you something so you can look at, could be a gateway to the spirit of fear. But it doesn't mean that every trauma, every situation we go through, that, that means we have a spirit of fear. But we have to look. We have to consider. We have to ask God to show us. Because the devil will use any opportunity he can to cripple us with the spirit of fear. Because you know why? He's afraid of Christ in us. <laughs> the demons even knew when he came. Amen. They acknowledged him. And what do we carry? The same spirit. Amen. And the devil knows and he's afraid. He doesn't want Wayne to get free. He doesn't Amen. want Anthony to get free, Chick to get free, Lisa to get free, somebody else to get free. Because he knows he's done if that happens. Amen. He is done. But what does God's word say? For the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. The other scripture says, the Lord has not given us a spirit of timidity or cowardness or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, well-balanced mind and self-control. That's right. That wasn't me. I'm just going to be honest. I was a coward. I ran. I ran. But you know what? When you expose the devil, at least now you got something to work with. You can't stay there and be a coward. You can't stay there and say, this is okay. It's not okay. That's not condemnation or guilt. It's not okay. God came to set you and I free. It's not okay when we're bound by fear when we're bound by things in our life. And this message doesn't have to just be tailored to fear. Just think, whatever it is, Amen. you don't have to stay there. That's right. So what does it mean? Power, love, sound mind. Well, I can't give you it all because I don't have it all. I don't have all the wisdom of God at this point. But these are just some things. Power to encounter danger. Power to bear up under trials and tribulations. Power to triumph, okay, in persecution. That's a hard one. But God gives us the power to endure through it. I think he said, I think, someone can correct me, that in our trials and tribulations, we can be joyous and full of the Spirit of God. Something like that. But I know that joyous part, maybe Pastor Tony can tell me, but... I think it's something like that. But what I'm saying is even in the midst of it, we can have joy unspeakable 
okay, and full of God's presence and His glory. And of love, which enables us to hear all, to hear all things, believe all things, hope in all things, endure all things. When we realize the Father's love for us, and boy, we're talking about love this morning. That is the truth. You know, we need to just mature in love. We understand maybe God's saving grace and we receive the love of the Father, you know, for our sins and we know He loves us and cares. But to come to a place of maturity and really know how much God loves us, you know, that's a place we need to mature. So don't let the enemy say to you, well, you're not you're on a mature love, so this is why this exists. No, get the understanding, seek the Father, and know, know get to know that. But you know that when we realize the Father's love for us, the devil will lose his power, his sting, and his influence in our lives. Amen. Okay? It's just that simple. That's right. All right? Because who are we going to then cling to? Who are we then going to hold on to? That's right. All right? We're not going to listen to this. We're not going to listen to this garbage. And when we think of our minds, a sound mind, you see, when your mind is guarded by the Word of God, you think differently. You know, when I told you the devil was speaking to me, I wasn't renewing my mind with the Word. I was rehearsing lies. Yeah, right. yeah come on. You know what I'm talking about, right? But if you... If you Guard your mind. If your mind is guarded by the Word, then obviously you're going to think differently. When the Word of God is allowed to work in your mind, it safeguards your emotions. It defends your mind from demonic assault, and it shields you from arrows. The enemy may try to shoot in your direction in order to arouse a spirit of fear in your mind. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Amen. Okay? So we need to just come to a place and mature in that. No, God's got our back. God's going to take care of us. What am I afraid? Who should I be afraid of? Right? right? What, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of speaking? What am I afraid of singing? What am I afraid of doing weddings? Who's in me? Okay, or the lies. Who am I listening to? So you and I have an enemy, and we need to know how that spirit of fear works. Uh-oh, he's the master of lies. Master, he's a master at it. Remember I was talking about the guy about martial arts? He was, a, he was a master at what he'd done. He had expertise. The devil is a liar. You know, we've all ran into somebody and go, man, that dude can lie. <laughs> right? He's a master at what he does. He will be a master of deception, and he will become arrogant. He will destroy many without... Warning, he will even take on the prince of princes in the battle, but he will be broken, but though not by human power. He's the father of lies. You know, his native language is to lie. You can't. The devil would never tell you the truth or confess the truth. He can't. His nature is to lie. It says, it says in John 8, 44 in the NIV, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Speak the word. But he's also a predator. 
You know, when we look in the wild, the shows we've seen or things we understand about animals and how, you know, as predators, how they get their food, don't they always try to wear down, run down, okay, chase down until you're weak and you can't run anymore? And then what happens? They devour you. Well, that's what the devil tries to do to the church, to you and I. He wants to wear us out. You know what fear does in the wee hours of the morning? I've lived it. It haunts you. It will wake you up. It will make you sick. It will drain you. And you'll be pleading with God. He wants to bring me to a place where he can say to God and get in God's face and say, look what I did to Wayne Cavuto. Look what I did to him. Look what I did to him. Look what I did to her. But God tells us what to do. Tells us to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for somebody to devour. So God says to stand firm against him and be strong in the faith. Because the thief's purpose in John 10.10 is to do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. So the whole, the whole thing about the animals, they'll run you down because they can, they can get you down, then they're going to kill you, okay? They're going to get what they want. And the devil wants to win. He ain't going to win. Amen? <laughs> so we need to get, we need to put on the full armor of God, okay? You know, we have to understand, you know, I always think, when I hear this scripture, I don't know why, I always think of policemen. I think, you know, if a, if a police officer goes to work, goes to the locker room, opens up the locker, blah, 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 and all his stuff's there, it's in his street clothes, takes to take off his clothes and he gets out his shirt, his pants, his belt, black shoes, hat. See ya. How is this man going to do his job? He's not fully dressed. He's not fully clothed. There's no way it's going to happen. You know, He's going to get out there and he's going to tell somebody to stop. <laughs> and they're going to keep running. Because they have no threat. There's no weapon there. But the Lord tells us to put on the full armor of God. It's a command. So that we may be successfully stand against the schemes, strategies, and deceit of the enemy. Amen. So when we fight against the enemy, Amen. we need that full armor of God. Yes. So let's look at motives, strategies of the spirit of fear. The motive and strategy is that you and I would not walk in the steps that God has ordered for us. He wants to distract us from seeking God's kingdom. In Matthew 6.33, in the NIV, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Matthew 6.33, the Amplified said, But first seek the kingdom, most importantly, the kingdom. Aim at, strive at his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and the character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. So it's about alignment. It's about lining up what we're seeking. So if we're measuring, if we're measuring where we are, and that's what we're, we're constantly associated with, is what the devil's saying, the lies, and who he is, and what he's doing, and taking on his personality... We got, we got to get our alignment. We got to get the plumb line. We got to get straightened out, okay? But what the enemy wants, he wants you to shrink back. He wants to keep us from our destiny. He wants to keep us from our calling. 
And he wants to keep us from using our gifts. And ultimately, ultimately, the greatest thing we could offer any man, woman, or child that comes to a place of accountability understands their sin. He wants to keep us from preaching the gospel. But the Lord says in Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. But fear hinders and stops our progression, our destiny. The devil doesn't want us to walk out those steps that God has ordered for us, but God is telling us what to do. Go preach the gospel. But when when we allow things to happen or when we meditate on on things that have happened, or when we allow our mind to become a recreational playground or strategy for the enemy to use to produce something in us that looks nothing like the Lord, okay? We have to deal with that. We have to take care of it. Because he's stopping you from doing what what you're called of God to do. So the steps of a good and righteous man are directed and established by the Lord, and he delights in his way, and blesses his path. What the enemy wants, in a nutshell, okay, is to cripple, dismantle, divert, obstruct, restrict, and redirect. But God says in Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? I wasn't being strong and courageous when I was being a coward. But God was giving me instruction, but I wasn't listening. God was telling me how I could break the power of it, but I wasn't listening. God was telling me what to do, but I wasn't obeying. It's all available to us, no matter where you are or what your circumstances are, it's all available. Don't be terrified, don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. Remember that where you are in that place with fear or something in your life that is so troubling, God is with you. He's there for you. You don't have to give all of yourself to that. You don't have to join to it and let it become part of you. There's a way out, and he's the way out. So what can you and I do to overcome the spirit of fear? Know your adversary. Know who you're fighting against. You know, if we know people that are our enemies, which I know we're supposed to bless our enemies, but maybe that's not the case. (laughs) No, but if people, if you know somebody, you you know, this guy, this girl, whatever, I got to stay away from, you know who they are. Just, Just use your common sense, but use the wisdom of God too. Know your enemy. And stop listening to his lies. Meditate on his word. Renew your mind with the washing of the word. We have to do that. We have to. We can't be without it. We can't just meditate on what's unhealthy. You know, when we do that, and if that becomes such a part of us, it can cause other things to happen. It can bring on sickness in your body. There's things that can happen. If you meditate on negative, negative, negative all the time, didn't God say what you fear will come upon you? So don't conform, Romans 12, 2, don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Overcoming the spirit of fear 
in, in Ephesians 5.26, we are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. That's how we overcome. Take those thoughts captive. We have a right to. We have power to. We have a right to. We have a right to listen or we have a right to take them captive and say, no, you have, you have no room here in my house. Amen. You have no room in my mind. That's right. Okay? This is not a place for you to play. It's not a place for you to bring what you want to bring. I don't right. welcome you. You're not welcome in my house. Right? Exercise your faith. We know that faith is a substance of things hoped for, not yet seen. We've all been given a measure of faith. Exercise your faith. Use it. Stand up against them. Tell them, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of you. Stir up what's in you. Let him know, okay, that it's over. Because we have to apply our faith, because faith without works is dead. We can bind and loose. In Matthew 18, 18, it talks, Truly I say, whatever you bind here on earth, okay, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose here on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we have that right. There's tools. There's power. There's authority. There's principles. And God said, resist the devil. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will free from you. Flee from you. All right. Aren't you sick of letting a bully push you around? I know I am. Amen. You know, I know when my brother, when he was younger, he used to go down the street, there were two brothers that waited for him. And they used to want to beat him up all the time. And he'd run back home, Mommy, Daddy, blah, blah, whatever. They told him, get out there. Go, you go confront them. You go deal with that. Don't let them bully you. Don't let them push you around. Because if you don't, they're going to keep doing it. So finally, my brother got up the courage to go get his butt kicked, because that's what happened. <laughs> but he faced him. He faced the bully. And after that, they didn't bother him. He walked right by him. They're in the same corner, same place, and he could walk right by him. They left him alone. Now, when the devil knows we're done with him, he'll move on. He'll look for somebody else. That's not our heart's desire that he finds somebody else. He'll move on. But if he's got you, he's got you. And you, it's your choice. It's your power to make a difference. So kind of closing up here, start making declaration. It's another thing we can do. You know, one of the things I found out was, and, and I started doing, I'd just get a list of 25 things that I could declare over myself. And I just filled my mind with them. Like Isaiah 54, 14. I am far from oppression. And I, fear does not come near me. I have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 16. Philippians 2, 5. I am sober in my mind. It's not toxic. I am born of God. And the evil one does not touch me. I am a child of the King of Kings. And his blood protects me. I have, the prince of, I have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Philippians 4, 7, the prince of peace. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Romans 8, 37. I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. You know, the spoken word, what we speak, what we say can change things. 
You know, when you move a piece of furniture in your living room, then you got to move other furniture. Well, when we speak, we disperse those lies. We disperse those things when we speak the truth. It changes the atmosphere. It changes where the furniture is. You know what I'm saying? Okay? Then I'm greatly loved by God. We have to get that in us. God loves us enough to say, hey, I'm here. I'm going to defend you. I'm going to protect you. But you have to trust that he's going to do that. But remember, 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. So all that we've been talking about, everything that we've been sharing here this morning, that I've been sharing with you this morning, all the different things in my life and so on, just maybe a possibility of some things you see in my life and, and the way the devil's operated, his personality, some of his strategies, the way he's doing business, maybe you see yourself there. And maybe you say, you know what, I never saw that. I didn't know that that could have been the gateway. Now I know why I've been bound by this fear so long or why I feel so crippled in doing what God's called me to do, why I don't have the freedom and mobility I should have as a believer. But what I want to do before we... Before we go any further, we're going we're gonna to run this video, and I want you to take the time of this video just to watch and the words, and I want you to look inside and just see where you are in it all. some uh, music in the background, please. You know, I think the message was clear. The fear is a liar. But it's your choice at this point to come out from that place, to get in a place of freedom and liberty, to confront the bully, and to move beyond where you've been. This is your breakthrough moment. This is your breakthrough moment. Even right now, somebody is being spoken to, the enemy saying, don't you dare. 
You ain't going nowhere. But this is your breakthrough moment. Can you turn that up a little bit? <clears throat> Thank you. <clears throat> so there's power in the name of Jesus to break that thing like that. You don't have to take any more time but the time to surrender, the time to make this your breakthrough day. If you feel that this message has touched your heart and hit the very core, the root of fear in your life, I want you to just raise your hand. Just raise your hand right where you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See, God wants his people free. He sent his only begotten son so that you and I could walk in freedom and liberty. So let today be your day of breakthrough. If you want to confront the spirit of fear, it might be uncomfortable for you, but like I said, sometimes you have to confront the bully so he'll move aside. Would you be willing to come up here to the front so we can pray for you? And I'd love the ministry team to come up. Lisa, Tony, can you come and help me? Jen, can you come up front? We're going to pray for these folks in Jesus' name. Today, turn that up a little bit. Today is your breakthrough. Today is your breakthrough. Let today be the last day that you live this life. Today, let be the day that you start a new beginning that God is going to add to you, give to you, and pour out to you what you deserve. Anthony, would you come up here? Hallelujah. Chris, would you come over here on this side? Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to pray a prayer. We're going to pray a prayer first. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I renounce and break and destroy the spirit of fear in my life. I break all its effects, all its restrictions, all of its personality, all of its ways off of my life in Jesus' name. And I cling and I surrender to the spirit of God to lead me, to direct me, to guide me, to walk me through, to walk me into that which the Lord has ordered for me in Jesus' name. Now I choose to break the power of fear. Just put your hands up and say, I choose to break the power of fear. I renounce the spirit of fear. I renounce the spirit of fear in my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to find out more of what's happening here at New Hope, please contact newhopecom.org or download additional messages from our podcast.